reading tonight is from Daniel chapter 8. In the third year of King Belshazzar's reign, I, Daniel, had a vision, after the one that had already appeared to me. In my vision I saw myself in the citadel of Susa, in the province of Elam. In the vision I was beside the Ulai Canal. I looked up, and there before me was a ram with two horns, standing beside the canal, and the horns were long. One of the horns was longer than the other, but grew up later. I watched the ram as it charged towards the west and the north and the south. No animal could stand against it, and none could rescue from its power. It did as it pleased and became great. As I was thinking about this, suddenly a goat with a prominent horn between its eyes came from the west, crossing the whole earth without touching the ground. It came towards the two-horned ram I had seen standing beside the canal and charged at it in great rage. I saw it attack the ram furiously, striking the ram and shattering its two horns. The ram was powerless to stand against it. The goat knocked it to the ground and trampled on it, and none could rescue the ram from its power. The goat became very great, but at the height of its power the large horn was broken off, and in its place four prominent horns grew up towards the four winds of heaven. Out of one of them came another horn, which started small, but grew in power to the south and to the east and toward the beautiful land. It grew until it reached the host of the heavens, and it threw some of the starry hosts down to the earth, and trampled on them. It set itself up to be as great as the commander of the army of the Lord. It took away the daily sacrifice from the Lord, and his sanctuary was thrown down. Because of rebellion, the Lord's people and the daily sacrifice were given over to it. It prospered in everything it did, and truth was thrown to the ground. Then I heard a holy one speaking, and another holy one said to him, How long will it take for the vision to be fulfilled? The vision concerning the daily sacrifice, the rebellion that causes desolation, the surrender of the sanctuary, and the trampling underfoot of the Lord's people. He said to me, It will take 2,300 evenings and mornings, then the sanctuary will be reconsecrated. The interpretation of the vision. While I, Daniel, was watching the vision and trying to understand it, there before me stood one who looked like a man. And I heard a man's voice from Uli calling, Gabriel, tell this man the meaning of the vision. As he came near the place where I was standing, I was terrified and fell prostrate. Son of man, he said to me, Understand that the vision concerns the time of the end. While he was speaking to me, I was in a deep sleep, with my face to the ground. Then he touched me and raised me to my feet. He said, I'm going to tell you what will happen later in the time of wrath, because the vision concerns the appointed time of the end. The two-horned ram that you saw represents the kings of Media and Persia, The shaggy goat is the king of Greece, and the large horn between its eyes is the first king.
The four horns that replace the one that was broken off represent four kingdoms that will emerge from his nation, but will not have the same power. In the latter part of the reign, when rebels have become completely wicked, a fierce-looking king, a master of intrigue, will arise. He will become very strong, but not by his own power. He will cause astounding devastation and will succeed in whatever he does. He will destroy those who are mighty, the holy people. He will cause deceit to prosper and he will consider himself superior. When they feel secure, he will destroy many and take his stand against the prince of princes. Yet he will be destroyed, but not by human power. The vision of the evenings and mornings that has been given to you is true, but seal up the vision, for it concerns the distant future. I, Daniel, was worn out. I lay exhausted for several days. Then I got up and went about the king's business. I was appalled by the vision. It was beyond understanding. Hi everyone, and let's pray together as we turn to the Bible now. Father, please speak to us. Please would you comfort us. Please would you help us to understand your word tonight for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, the Clipper Round the World Yacht Race happens every other year. They have amateur sailors who pay for the privilege and they race in identical yachts uh, around the world. And it is uh, widely recognised that the most dangerous and the most difficult leg is going from Cape Town to Fremantle in Western Australia, where they have waves as big as a house, they have ferocious storm force winds, they have sub-zero temperatures, and yet people still want to do this. Um, and you'd think, looking at it, that the Southern Ocean is the thing that rules in that particular part of the world, and that these yachts would stand no chance in their journey from Cape Town to Fremantle. Apart from the fact that on these boats there is a sail, probably quite a small sail given the winds, maybe a storm jib at the front, and uh, in the cockpit they'll be tethered to, uh, one, on, with one of these safety leashes, uh, a guy on the helm. And uh, God willing, all these guys will, will get through safely to the end of that leg of the Clipper Round the World yacht race. Now when we look at our world, and when we look back over world history, it just does seem to be a, a catalogue of disasters and defeats and disgrace and uh, all sorts of horrible things going on. Frankly, some purely evil things happen. And it's very easy for us to think that the world is just... Uh, running amok, that there is no one really in charge. It, the world is just lurching from crisis to crisis. And yet as we turn to Daniel chapter 8 this evening, we're going to see that there is actually a God who rules the world, a God who rules world history. And just as uh, there is in the Clipper race going across the Southern Ocean, there is someone there who's making sure that that yacht is heading for Fremantle and will get there safely. So also Christians believe, and we see a glimpse of it here in Daniel chapter 8, that actually this world has someone who is in charge and is taking this world to a safe destination of a new heaven and a new earth. So uh, Daniel chapter 8, it's, uh, it's a great chapter look, to look at, uh, and it's actually, we're going to see, find a sense of history here. In fact, we're going to do some ancient history. Now, 
It has to be said that not everyone is very good at history. There was a, a survey conducted of secondary school pupils not so long ago, 11s to 18s, and they asked them some fairly simple questions. Uh, they didn't always do awfully well. Two-thirds, apparently, didn't know when the First World War began. A somewhat alarming 4% thought that Adolf Hitler in the Second World War thought that he was the British Prime Minister. Uh, and an equally uh, similar number, uh, 4%, thought that Oliver Cromwell flew Spitfires in the Second World War in the Battle of Britain. Well, maybe there was a Spitfire pilot called Oliver Cromwell, but that wasn't the one they were thinking about. But a sense of history and uh, understanding a bit of history is actually quite significant and quite important. And uh, we're going to brush up on a bit of ancient history this evening. It's 550 BC. Daniel is uh, there, over there, in exile, in Babylon, 800-odd miles away from home. And uh, he's been there all his adult life. And in verses 1 to 18 here, he has a vision. He can't understand it. That's what uh, we see in verse 15. While I, Daniel, was watching the vision and trying to understand it in verse 15 there. And so it's explained to him in verses 16 to 27. And he's looking ahead to two main rulers in world history. On the one hand, there's a guy called Alexander the Great, and he was around about 330 BC. So Daniel's looking you know, a couple of hundred years into the future in this vision. And then beyond Alexander the Great, another 160 odd years, there's an evil guy called Antiochus Epiphanes IV. We're going to find out more about those two rulers. So, for Daniel, he's looking a long way in the future. For us, we're looking back a long way to see what was going on there. Now, we'll get to the details in a moment, but uh, a couple of things just to say before we really get going. The first one is this. The language changes. The language changes. Most of Daniel so far is written in Aramaic. Aramaic was the, la the most widely used language of the world. So it seems that most of Daniel so far was for the whole world to know that this God is in charge. Now the language changes to Hebrew, which was a minority language, just the language of God's people. And what happens is now that Daniel seems to be focusing down and saying, God's people, you need to know this, that God rules. So it's a specific application for us as Christian people today. We need to know that God still rules. So that's the first thing to know. The language changes. The second thing we need to understand here is this is apocalyptic literature. It's a bit like poetry. And you'll see here there are lots of, um, lots of pictures or perhaps DVDs. But, you know, when you have a picture, um, here's a picture of, um, this is Lower Slaughter in the Cotswolds. And uh, it's a lovely place. And when you look at, at uh, pictures, there's an awful lot of information there that you can find, aren't there? That you can find out about these places you can see there. And uh, apocalyptic literature, for instance, in Revelation, here in Daniel, see pictures like that one there. Or perhaps better, a DVD or a little series of DVDs happening, like you might see if you went into, a, say, a museum, one of these more modern ones, and they have a, uh, something showing, a film showing there, which is repeated every two or three minutes or whatever. That's what you get here. And what it's trying to do, what it is showing us, is the spiritual reality behind world events. The spiritual reality behind world events. Um, and let's not be afraid of apocalyptic. This is actually quite easy to understand. Uh, this bit is particularly straightforward here. And it's simply telling us this. God rules world history. God rules world history. 
And the first main point is this. There are great leaders, there are evil leaders, but God rules world history. There are great leaders, there are evil leaders, but God still rules world history. Now, we see in chapter 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 8 and verse 2 here that uh, Daniel is in the citadel citadel of Susa. That's where the Persian kings uh, spent their winters over in the uh, east of the country. And he's there, the winter residence, and uh, he's still serving the Persian king, senior guy in the civil service, exiled from his own land. And then he has a vision. And it says, for instance, in verse 26, about the distant future. It's talking in verse 17, it talks about the the time of the end, and later on about the appointed time of the end. But it's not talking about the end of the world. Most people think, and I I agree, that it's talking about the end, perhaps, of the, the Persian Empire, the end of the exile, the end of these current times of difficulty for God's people. It's not here talking so much about the end of the world. And the vision focuses on two leaders, one great, one evil. And uh, the first one is Alexander the Great. Now, uh, there are animals here. Alexander the Great is represented by uh, this goat. And uh, we see about Alexander the Great in verses 5 to 8. And then it's explained to us in verses 20 to 22. Now, Alexander was a great leader. He won extraordinary military victories just in his early 20s. He won one against the Persians in 334, another one the next year, another one in 331 BC. His reign extended over to, even over to India. Uh, and uh, even in his early 20s, he was indeed great until he died aged 32 in Babylon. And uh, his empire collapsed. And you see in verse 8 here, the goat, Alexander, became very great, hence his name, but at the height of its power, the large horn, that stands for power, uh, was broken off. In other words, he died. And in its place, four prominent horns grew up toward the four winds of heaven. Alexander's empire was broken up and there were four generals led that empire from then on in separate pieces. And that's what verse 8 is talking about. So there's Alexander the Great, a great leader, but then there's also here uh, um, Antiochus Epiphanes the Fourth. He was a bit like Adolf Hitler. He was evil. There's no other word for it. He was just plain evil. Uh, uh, some people uh, gave him the nickname not Antiochus Epiphanes, but Antiochus, Antiochus Epimenes, which means madman. And in the vision here, he's there in verses 9 to 14, and it's interpreted in verses 23 to 25. He was just simply evil. He had no scruples. He had no morals. He had no right to the throne. He came from nowhere. Uh, He uh, he rose to the throne. He ruled by manipulation and deceit. He had a very well-developed secret service. Uh, You can imagine the kind of guy that he was. And uh, you look at verse 24 and you see how he came to power. He will become very strong, but not by his own power. No, he came very strong by the power of Satan. He was an evil, evil guy. Uh, And he set himself to attack God's people. In fact, he set himself to stand up to be God himself. Epiphanes means God manifest. So he was saying, I'm God in the flesh here, and I'm going to stand against anyone, including the one who is God. And, uh, and in the end, you can't win 
you can't win when you put in yourself in that in that situation. In the end, he died in 164 BC in great pain, mysterious circumstances. He was possibly poisoned. Uh, and in the Apocrypha to our Bibles, uh, it says this in two Maccabees about the end of his life. He came to the end of his life by a most pitiable fate among the mountains of a strange land. At the end of verse 25 in our passage here, it says this. Um, well, this is talking about Antiochus Epiphanes IV. He will cause deceit to prosper and he will consider himself superior. When they feel secure, he will destroy many and take his stand against the prince of princes, that is, against God. Yet, he will be destroyed, but not by his own power. God destroyed him. God destroyed the one who would seek to destroy God's people. World leaders come and world leaders go, don't they? I mean, even Roy Mugabe in Zimbabwe, he's now gone, he's dead. Uh, President Putin, we've just heard just recently, haven't we, in, in Russia, that, that he now could possibly be the president of Russia until 2036. It'll be gone at some point. No world leader lasts forever because God rules world history. There are great leaders, there are evil leaders, but God still rules world history. Second thing is this, no matter what it looks like, God still rules world history. So let's focus a little bit more on this Antiochus Epiphanes IV character. Uh, for the Jews, for God's people, it was grim at that point. Um, verse 10 talks about the starry host. It grew until it reached the host of the heavens and it threw some of the starry host down to the earth. That's God's people. That's the Jewish people. This is talking about Antiochus and the way he was seeking to destroy God's people. Um, verse 11, that's, uh, it set itself up to be as great as the commander of the army of the Lord. It took away the daily sacrifice from the Lord. He forbade worship in the temple in Jerusalem. In fact, he built a pagan altar over the altar of the burnt offering in the Jewish temple. Sacrificed a pig on it. A blasphemous arrogance as he set himself up against God. Verse 23 says he was completely wicked. Verse 24 talks of astounding devastation. The end of verse 25, it says, Yet he will be destroyed, and not by human power, because the Lord destroys Antiochus Epiphanes IV. No matter what it looks like, God still rules world history. And the way God destroyed him was there was a Jewish rebellion under a guy called Judas Maccabees, and, uh, or Maccabeus. Uh, and he recaptured uh, Jerusalem, he rebuilt the temple. And uh, these days, even to today, the Jewish folks hold their festival of Hanukkah to remember and to celebrate this recapturing of the temple and the defeat of Antiochus Epiphanes. His was a great attack on God's people. His was a great attack on God Almighty, on God himself. Uh, as it says at the beginning of verse 11, it set itself up uh, to be as great as the commander of the army of the Lord. That's what he tried to do. He failed. He failed. Because no matter what it looks like, God still rules world history. And we need to know that there will be people there will be those who will attack God's people, maybe political people, uh, leaders, maybe, but political systems will stand up against God's people. That kind of thing does happen today in places like North Korea. Some of us are quite concerned about what's going on in China, for instance. And Daniel chapter 8 teaches us that no matter what it looks like, 
God still rules world history. This is meant for us to be confident, for us to be assured that actually God still rules world history. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're concerned about for the moment, with COVID, with, with all sorts of things going on, we're not sure about the future. Will there be a second spite? It's all right, because God still rules world history. Now, we know there will be bad times. We know there will be better times. But in all of it, we still say we'll remain assured or be confident we'll be okay because God still rules world history. God is God and God God always wins in the end. Always. So there are great leaders and evil leaders. God still rules world history. Uh, No matter what it looks like, God still rules world history. Third thing to say is... When it's just getting worse, God still rules world history. History is a roller coaster. Good times, bad times. Good rulers, bad rulers. There will be times when it feels actually quite good on planet Earth, good to be alive and so on, and times when we fear the fu- for the future and it just seems like it's just getting worse all the time and Lord, please help us. That's life. That's what it's like. Um, With COVID-19, it looks like there is progress here, which is encouraging, and we thank God for it. But then this last week, we have heard, haven't we, about Melbourne being in lockdown again for another two weeks, because there's a spike there, and it could happen here. Uh, We know of Leicester and so on, don't we? And uh, uh, we're quite likely that those things will happen here as well. Worldwide, COVID is still rampant. We know that. And no matter what happens... No matter what happens in the future, we know, we know from Daniel chapter 8 that God still rules world history. Even, even when it just seems to be getting worse. And some, some Christians see world history as a, as a gradual improvement all the way through until the day when Jesus returns. I just don't see that in the Bible though. There is evil in the world. We're sinful human beings. Things go wrong. World history is much more like a roller coaster with goods and bads, and there may be some highs, but there are very deep troughs as well. And if you're one of God's people, if you're a Christian believer, then there will be some times, there will be some places where it all just gets worse. And as persecution intensifies, we know that, we see that around the world. And, you know, in the last 400 years or so in this country, we've been deeply privileged and it's been deeply abnormal that there's been precious little persecution of Christian believers. That's very unusual. seems to me we can just simply expect that things uh, will get worse at some point. And Daniel 8 teaches us that when it's just getting worse, God still rules world history. So hang in there. Uh, um, uh, God's in charge. I was helping someone a few years back about uh, going through some difficulties and so on. And uh, apparently I kept on saying to them, it'll be all right. So they gave me a T-shirt. It'll be all right. And actually, that's what happens with us. That's what we want to say too. It'll be all right. It'll be all right. The world, it'll be all right. We'll get through Christian people. It'll be all right. There are great leaders and evil leaders. God still rules world history. No matter what it looks like, God still rules world history. Even when it seems to be getting worse, God still rules world history. And the final and the fourth thing to say is this. However you feel about it, God still rules world history. So verse 27 here. uh, This is how Daniel felt about it. I, Daniel, was worn out. 
I lay exhausted for several days. Then I got up and went about the king's business. I was appalled by the vision. It was beyond understanding. In other words, it was too big a thing to get my arms around. He's uh, appalled by it. He's desolated by it. He's just found it just simply horrendous. Here he is in exile. He's spent his whole adult life there. He's a devout Jewish uh, uh, leader and believer. Um, and he's rather hoping for a better future. And then he gets told, well, there's this guy in, uh, in the future at some point, Daniel doesn't know when it's going to be, but there's this guy who's going to be a great world leader, but then this other guy is going to come in and he's going to attack God's people, he's going to kill God's people, he's going to desecrate the temple and so on. No wonder he's appalled by it. Daniel will be hoping that things are going to get better, not just kind of get back there and then, actually, it's good news, there's going to be a temple, but then it's going to be desecrated by this evil bloke who sets himself up to be God and to stand against God. It's not great news, is it? Not great news for Daniel. Ungodly nations succeeding unholy nations. And Israel subjugated again. It's rubbish, isn't it? Where's the hope? Where's the good news? Daniel, you're not home yet. Daniel, the situation is not sorted. Daniel, there are rocky roads ahead. And we actually know as Christian people, we're not home yet. The situation is not sorted. There are rocky roads ahead for Christian people. Um, but you may find a bit of hope from time to time, which is great. And of course, we have a great hope of the future. But when you look in the immediate, the situation won't be fully resolved in this life. We know that. It can be tough. Uh, in verse 27, Daniel said it's, it's, uh, it was beyond understanding. He couldn't, he couldn't just grasp all the horrendousness of it. Uh, it's going to be hard. And some of us thinking current situations and so on, maybe we've been through a lot of tough times in life and, and here's something else and we're thinking, I can't cope with another one, Lord. Or maybe we're the kind of people who just kind of swan through and perhaps we don't uh, like to think terribly deeply about things and so on. Um, but the situation is, the fact is that However you feel about it, God still rules world history. He is the ruler of all, even when it feels a bit grim and so on. And have you noticed here, Daniel was worn out, he, he lay exhausted for several days and then he went back to work. And actually, you know, however we feel about things in terms of world history and the way it's all going and COVID and all the rest of it, for many of us, we've just got to do the same, haven't we? It is back to work and carry on and keep on going. But we do so in the knowledge that God still rules world history. And, you know, does this not make us long for the new heaven and the new earth? Does this not make us long for a better future and a better world? Uh, for wonderful, wonderful news that Christianity gives us is we have that hope. For the immediate future, things can be difficult. But in Jesus' death and Jesus' resurrection, we've got a real hope of a better future and a new heaven and a new earth there together, a perfect future. And that's what we look forward to. And that's what keeps us going in the end. I mean, it was extraordinary. Daniel just got up and went back to work because he didn't know of this, this hope that we have. But it's a hope that sustains us, can help us through the tough times as we look to the distant future.
the future beyond this earth, the future beyond death, the future after Jesus returns. And we're looking forward to that. One day there will be an extraordinary, extraordinary day for Christian people when Jesus returns, when he ushers in this new heaven and the new earth and we will be with him for all eternity. Look forward to that day. As in, can't wait, look forward to that day. Because that's our hope, that's our future, that's what we're looking forward to. And we know in the meantime, we know in the meantime that God rules world history and that one day he will come in Jesus and he will bring this to an end and bring in the most wonderful, wonderful future. The world can be a hard place. There will be great leaders and evil leaders, but God still rules world history. No matter what it looks like, we need to be reassured that God still rules world history. We can see that in Daniel chapter 8. When it just seems to be getting worse, God still rules world history. No matter what you feel about it, the fact is God still rules world history. That's for now. But the world as it is makes us long for a better one. A better one that Jesus will introduce when he returns. And then we will reign with him for all eternity. God rules world history. Rejoice.